you guys and welcome back to another episode of that's my personal business how are you how is your september going i hope you had an amazing labor day i hope you took some time off i hope that you have been enjoying the fall weather i don't know if it's actually fall weather where you are but i'm gonna i'm gonna hope it is for your sake but i hope you're having an amazing september i hope you're enjoying is this the last quarter i want to say we're in fourth quarter now i'm almost positive someone correct me if i'm wrong I hope that you have an overhead plan on how you're moving forward. I hope you're feeling good about all things. I'm incredibly excited about today's episode. I'm excited for you guys to dive into it. We have Miles Whitboyer on the podcast today, and it is an amazing episode, so I'm not going to blab too long before you dive into his interview because it's phenomenal, um, but I'm really excited for you guys to listen to it. I just wanted to give you a heads up before we move into, into the podcast, into the meat, into the interview, that Becoming is back. Our one-on-one coaching program that is six months long, it is our most intensive coaching option is back. Doors have not been opened for several, several months, and we have brought a lot of changes to the program since it originally launched a few years ago. Um, And even since doors opened last, it has changed a lot. It is even more intense because we have been seeing more results. We've been getting more intensive. We've been getting more hands-on, hands-in into our clients' companies. And so we are going to be taking less seats than normal. I'm only going to be taking four for this round of Becoming. So as busy season slows down, if you are ready to, you know, jumpstart next year so that next year can be the most profitable and fulfilling one that you've had yet. You can get some of your weekends back. You can get some time off in the evenings and earn more money while doing it. Come apply. I will link Becoming for you in the show notes. Again, this is our six-month coaching program, so it's intense. It is not for everyone, which is why it is an application-based process, and then we actually hop on a free consultation call before anything gets signed, sent, anything because I want to make sure that we're a good fit just like I'm coming to the table with so many so much energy and so many plans to improve your business I want to make sure that my clients are coming prepped ready to put in the hard work that it takes to do so so anyway I like making sure that we're a good fit talking through where your business is at where you want it to be all of that good stuff so that will be in the show notes for you if you want to read a little bit more and uh, fill out an application. I would love to chat with you. So let's go ahead and get started. Happy September, you guys. I will see you next week. And for now, please enjoy this incredible interview with Miles Whip Boyer. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much Heck for yeah. coming on. Let's go. I, for everyone that doesn't know you, can you give us a little introduction on yourself? Yeah, this is fun because I, I host a podcast as well. I don't know if you know that. Um, okay. Yes, so, I did know that. So I'm always in your seat. So I forget that sometimes people may not know me because I'm used to being like, you're in the my host. show, sucker. Yes. <laughs> um, hey, yeah. So I'm, I'm Miles. I'm, I'm Miles with Boyer, I guess is my like photography, like my brand name. I run a couple <laughs> of different companies, um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a primarily wedding and, uh, and kind of high-end commercial photographer um, based in Bentonville, Arkansas. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, kind of wherever wherever that is, right? Like middle America and then like take a ride on the dirt road. Okay. Uh, we yeah. love that. And, and, but I've been doing this for, for quite a while, like uh, maybe 15 years or so. Um, I'm a, a Fujifilm ex-photographer, like one of their global uh, ambassadors, and, uh, and I work really well with uh, a couple other really cool companies as well. I, I help run the, um, the social team, the ambassador team for Holdfast Gear. I work with Archipelago and Narrative and, and a lot of really rad brands. So yeah, that's me. 
Very cool. Um, so funny. I'm obviously not Mormon because you've seen my tattoos already, but my sister is Mormon and she's serving a Mormon mission in Arkansas. I want to oh. say she was actually in that town recently that you just yeah. said Bettenville, Beck Beckville. Bettenville, yeah, yeah. Bettenville. Okay. Yeah. So that's so funny because I never really meet that many people from Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, there's only two of us actually in the in the whole state. I that makes sense. It's probably yeah. just you and my sister. That it's honestly we, we're getting we're getting drinks later. I'm just kidding. Oh, you that's can't. super yeah, cool. I don't think you're supposed to say that. Um, yeah. So I <laughs> there's that foot in my mouth moment. I told you it was only going to take like <laughs> no, it's 30 good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Bentonville is like this cool little um, little like hidden gym in in the middle of nowhere. It's so it's the home offices for Walmart are here, which Stop. means that like every uh, Fortune 100 company in the world has an office within like 30 miles of here, and almost all of them have officers okay. on site. So it's a really, really high demographic, like really, uh, well-educated, really well manicured, um, area, mm -hmm. like no crime, very safe, uh, very metropolitan. Um, but it, like, if you drive 30 miles in any direction, you are exactly in the Arkansas that you see in like the show Ozark. That's literally where you are. So just don't leave the bubble. Like, just, don't pop the bubble. yeah, stay in the bubble. Gotcha. Okay. So have you always been there? I'd love to know a little bit more about like the beginning of your career and how you got started? Like, where did this all begin for you? Yeah. Uh, no, I have not. So my wife is, uh, from, from this area, okay. um, which is why I'm here initially, I guess. Um, I actually, well, that's, that's not really true. So I did my undergrad at a, uh, at a little private art school. Um, that's like got this incredible photography department that I was a professor at for a little while, which is also kind of a rad story. Cool. Um, I grew up in Northern New Mexico, uh, like, um, like a very artsy little town called Taos, uh, which is like a ski area and nothing but like artists and, and lots of culture. Um, my mom is a, or was an artist and uh, my dad's an archeologist. And so I grew up like in a really artsy kind of, um, like culturally diverse home. Uh, and so that that's where kind of the start was. Um, I mean, I, I'm not one of those people. In fact, actually, on a lot of podcasts, I kind of cringe and make fun of those people. They're like, I picked up a camera at six years old and I knew um, that wasn't me. But I but I did know this. I, I needed an outlet of some kind. I've, I've mm -hmm. always been like super athletic and really outgoing, but um, but I needed an outlet that was for me, like something mm -hmm. that was intentional and filled with enough purpose uh, that that it would like kind of balance my ADHD and just sort of help me get centered. And, and, um, throughout, through a long adolescent and like early teenage, uh, experience, I ended up with a camera in my hands. And so mm -hmm. then I, I worked for a kayak photography company for a little while, uh, which was a super kind of a rad experience. Mm -hmm. And then I worked for a ski photography company for a little while. Uh, I actually worked for a rock climbing camp for a little bit. And then I, I just sort of jumped around. And then um, towards the end of college, I ended up in New York and I worked for a, a, a modeling agency uh, in New York doing like high fashion work. And, and I fell in love with, um, with the stories of the models, which is kind of an ironic thing. Like you never hear photographers talk like that because it's no. like you, you usually shoot, for, especially from an editorial perspective, you just shoot what's in front of you and everything feels too, very two-dimensional. And what I realized was that I felt like I was leaving a lot on the table with these models. Like we were shooting really successful work, but if I had just had like a few more minutes with them, um, like I felt like we would have shot really great stuff, but I was like, I wasn't connecting as much mm -hmm. as I wanted to. And a lot of that also was, you know, art directors and hair and makeup and lighting techs. There was just a lot in between me and getting to know them 
And not to mention the fact that most models are in the inverse situation. They're not trying to be known, mm. right? Like they're showing up to just get shot. Yeah. So through a long series of events, I end up back in Arkansas um, and married to this just insanely talented and sort of remarkable woman. But what, what came from that was her basically saying like, there isn't a fashion industry here. It's growing actually it's scaling, but there isn't a fashion industry. So if you're going to spend your life with a camera in your hands, um, you've got to find a way to do that in a way that's like fulfilling to you, but also pays our bills. Mm. Uh, and so I started shooting weddings, uh, you know, like so many of like the, the big names will, will say, right. It, it, initially it was like this financial decision, but what I realized was it immediately scratched this itch that I had been trying to, to figure out, which was like, there's, there's these stories of these people, not, not the cheesy, again, like the two dimensional thing of like the story of their wedding day. There's these, these individuals that have remarkable stories and, but suddenly I was literally getting paid to take the time to invest and pour into them and, and, uh, and then understand how my work could be informed by those stories. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So that, that was like, there, that was like 15 years and 30 seconds. How does, no, how did I love do? that? That was a great summary, like a go. very good, like synopsis of it. So talk to me a little bit about like that transition from fashion to weddings. Cause I've shot a little bit of, I've shot weddings for a long time and shot enough fashion to like know that obviously, like you said, it's a very two dimensional industry when it comes to fashion, because yeah, it's like, there's not really a story usually. And if there is, it's the one for the brand. Like it doesn't really have to do with the people in front of the camera. And so what was that transition like? And how did you have to kind of change the way that you approached your clients when moving from a fashion industry to a wedding industry? Cause obviously those are two very different things and yeah. you do have to approach the clientele very, very differently. What a great question though. Um, yeah. And something that, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I mentioned this earlier, I'm on a lot of podcasts. Nobody ever comes at it from that level, that direction. And I think it's something that a lot of people, well, but I think a lot of people <laughs> assume that they need to go the opposite direction, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people, especially in the wedding industry, find themselves in weddings trying to stair step the other direction. Like they mm. want to shoot commercial work. They want to shoot editorial work. Um, it is actually fairly unique that I went, that I went backwards. Uh, yeah. and, and the lessons that I learned, um, were really pretty profound in the sense that, you know, having gone from shooting like very high end, like ultra high end, we're talking like Times square level fashion work into shooting initially, like relatively small kind of, you know, not overly curated and certainly not what we would call now like luxury weddings in Arkansas. Um, it took a lot of humility and, um, and I struck, I battled that humility for a long time. Like I kind of fought my own humanity for a long time because I wanted this for the clients, but I mm. wasn't sure that I wanted it for myself yet. Like I, I wanted them to have remarkable images because I believed in those images, but I, it took me a while to come to grips with the fact that I was the person that needed to be taking those images. Mm. Um, and about the same time that I wrapped my mind around that, my clientele started just blowing up. And, and again, it, there's like a, there's like a pacing situation here where so much of the industry right now is in such a sprint. Like they, they want to be in the destination market like yesterday. Right. Mm -hmm. But they don't understand that like those of us that have spent a considerable amount of our careers in destinations will tell you like there's there's more heartbreak than there is money in that. Um, and, you know, like big names, you know, good friends of mine, you guys like Jonas Peterson and Binge Heish, like these these people that have they've paved the way for that will also tell you that like 
you just can't skip steps. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the process for me was, uh, was really intentional. It was like, you know, how do I build a client experience that is not just like a template that, that I mm. buy online, but that actually speaks to people about what I want for them. And how do I build a, um, opposing process that's filled with purpose that is not like cheesy prompts and, you know, and, and things that just gets the, get the reactions. How do I, because I feel so deep about this, like, how do I get outside of fake laughter and silly moments and, and like get my clients to be, uh, vulnerable with each other and then allow me to just witness that. Um, mm. and it was, a, it was a big move coming from fashion because none of that had been, I, I hadn't had access to any of that, but like I said, early on, I knew that it was there. Like I could feel that there was value in it. I just hadn't figured out a way to unlock it yet. So what does that process look like to you now? And what did you do to unlock it? Like, how did you start unlocking that? So a lot of it is just personal growth. You know, it's like the one thing that people don't want to actually invest their time in. It's so much easier for us to push ourselves out there than to pull ourselves in. And, uh, and that's, I mean, I realize right now I like sound like a yoga instructor, right? (laughs) If this isn't like a weird like active, you know, mindfulness, but it is intentionality. I mean, it, it's a lot of what I, what I'm doing right now in the industry, whether that's through, through Photoco, which is our, our mentoring and training platform, uh, or through the, you know, the speaking and the conferences that I'm at, or, or the, the posing classes that we're running people through. It's this idea of, if you aren't fully aware yet of what you want, then it's not fair to ask your clients to answer that for you. Like it is perfectly okay to look at your clients, just like Fair says, right? Fair tells all of his clients, like, hey, this is a giant experiment. And we're gonna, we're gonna learn together. We're gonna, this is a, a process that all of us are going to create art together. That is fun and that's fair. But if you're insecure about the work that you're creating, then it's it's not fair yet to ask your clients to like solve that for you. Um, and so we have to, we have to have enough intentionality, I think in ourselves and just in our personal development, our personal growth to say like, these are my priorities. These are the, these are the things that I care about. Like these are my lines in which I won't, I won't cross just from like, now we're not talking ethics. We're just talking like the integrity of our brand. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're looking for a wedding photographer that does, you know, these three things, well, that's not me. And, and it's okay. Like, it's okay to get comfortable saying no, but it's also a great thing to learn how valuable your yes can become. I love that. No. And I love the sentiment that like, instead of, yeah, putting it on our clients to figure this out for themselves, we need to figure it out for ourselves first. I feel like that's something that I see so often in the industry as photographers really struggling to be like, I just feel like I keep not working with my dream clients and like, we're not aligning. We don't value the same things. And it's like, well, are you communicating to them what it is that you do value? Like, or are you expecting them to just like know that somehow, like just guess that you value those things or want those things through your artistry. Like you need to figure those things out first, then communicate them to the people viewing your work so that they can decide, you know, if you're for them or not. And it's okay if you're not for them. Well, and often I think we use, um, we use verbiage that we pick up from other brands that we admire and we don't realize the power of words. Mm. So I, I used to say this a lot, like back when Instagram was actually a thing, we, yeah. we would, we would do 
courses. We would do trainings for people to say like, Hey, your caption matters. And you'd be shocked at how much your caption matters. That whole concept of like a picture being worth a thousand words, that was really relevant back when people read the newspaper, but they don't anymore. Mm. And, and so the point now is like, without that thousand words, most times pictures just become content and people just doom scroll content. Like it only takes two seconds to end up on Instagram swamped by beautiful wedding photos. So then why would your clients hire you? Like, what is it that you offer as an individual, not as a camera operator, but like as a human, what is it that you mm -hmm. offer them that's going to help solve their problems? And they may not even know how to articulate their problems. Like it may be an insecurity about the size of their nose or their arm. It may be um, a second marriage or uh, just an instability in family dynamics. Like there's all kinds of things that you're going to come in that you have the opportunity to create like refuge for these people or to be an abrasive, like sand in the wound. And mm. if you're not intentional enough to weed through these people for their sake, like for serving them, not, not so that you have dream clients, like photographers that are listening to this, y'all hear me out when I say this, like the moment you get over yourself is the moment you make 10 times more money. Mm. But like, if you don't learn how to serve the people that are hiring you, then you aren't valuable yet. Like your work may be, but you aren't. And, and anybody can replicate work. Exactly. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I think that's also why a lot of times when I talk to people who are trying to get into weddings, I'm like, you need to decide if emotionally that's something that you're up for because wedding work is so different than any other work. And when I took a step back from weddings, I don't shoot them anymore. It was because I, I just didn't have the capacity anymore. Like I, I got divorced a few years ago and it just wasn't the same after that. And I was like, I, out of fairness to my clients, like yes, myself, but also my clients, like I'm just not in a space to hold like the emotional depth with my wedding clients anymore that I used to. And that's okay. But like, you have to make this decision with weddings. If you're ready yeah, to be that refuge, to be that space for people on such a complex day, like there's so much that goes into weddings. And as a photographer, like we're so intricate and like integral to that process. It's wild that like how deep in that wedding we are. Like we spend as much time with the couple. I mean, we probably spend more time with them than they do each other, which is wild. Yeah. Well, and we, and we're so quick to belittle, um, our, our brand contribution to those moments by saying mm. silly things again, it's the verbiage, but by saying silly things like, you know, Oh, I'm a dark and moody photographer, or I'm a light and air, right. Or, or like, I'm a photojournalist, or I only shoot candids or what, whatever we're, we're so rapid to try and like niche down because that's what our business coaches tell us to do that. We niche our own relationships. And we end up telling these clients, these like beautiful, complex people that are often getting married for the very first time. Like they have no idea what this process looks like. And instead of offering to just hold their hand through it and, and provide them like authentic guidance through this, what we're doing is we're like begging them to like evangelize our brand before we've even proven the worth of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel you completely. I, I, I have so many friends that have kind of hit this stage where they say like, I have to step away from weddings, not because I don't love it, but because I'm battling whether or not what I'm giving to these people is as organic as they deserve. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a struggle. I mean, that's a battle, but I, you know, cause you, at the same time, like you don't want to wake up and realize you've invested your entire creative career into something you didn't believe in.
So I would love to know, um, because it sounds like you're very intentional in the way that you get to know your couples and like interact with them even before you, like you said, like imposing your brand on them. I would love to know if you could give us some insight into like what that process is like for you, because I think a lot of people can get very intimidated on how to approach their clients in a way to get to know them, or like maybe they're more introverted and they don't, you know, have the capacity to be like best friends with every client. Like I'd love to know one, how you interact with your clients and two, like what recommendations you have for people who are wanting to like hunker down and really think about their brand experience and their experience with their clients. Yeah. So I've learned a lot over the last several years. I, I found myself, um, completely unintentionally, but I found myself with a a pretty successful brand before I had realized the value of that brand. Mm. And the way that I found that out was because I was being asked to consult for other fairly large companies, you know, agencies and, and, uh, and like large creative firms were hiring me to give them brand advice. And it was funny because it was so easy for me to look at there from like a third person perspective, like a bird's eye view, I was able to look at uh, these like ad agencies and say like, oh, well, here's all the disconnects. Like, here's the way you talk about yourself. And then here's the actual client experience that you're giving. And, and here are the, the places that like those things seem like they're, you know, at best at odds, but often just like murky. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so what ended up happening for me personally was just this realization that if I want my clients to feel personally connected to me, I have to be willing to be um, more than just a brand, right? Like I've got to be an individual to these people. And that can't happen or it shouldn't happen at least on like a mass scale. Meaning like, you know, posting reels or TikTok videos of me dancing in my living room doesn't actually tell anybody anything about me. And, And to be completely honest, that's so adverse to who I am as an individual, it actually is detrimental. Mm. And so I I kind of realized that what I needed to do to avoid just sort of getting sucked in like the vacuum of social media, where I felt like I was constantly like, I've said this in a ton of podcasts and conferences, right? I felt like I was like the wide brim hat girl, like the, the labradoodle and the latte where like everything is bubbly and glittery and over the top and the tongue clicks and all of that stuff. But what I've realized is like, I've gotten to know a lot of those girls and that's not them either. There's just this mm. subsect of the culture that asks them to be that way. And, and so where it starts for me is as simple as, you know, we get an inquiry in and, uh, and my hope is by the time we get an inquiry in, they've actually already started educating themselves as to who I am and how I'm different. And, and that may have come through um, the way that I brand and build relationships with vendors you know, wedding planners that know me intimately, know me personally, and, and sort of know my values. Um, it may be via my website that was very like intentionally built to create a, uh, a process for people to connect with me prior to actually clicking inquiry. It may happen through social media. Um, often that's just in the DMs. Most about 80% of my life on social media actually happens in direct message, not mm-hmm. in public. Um, because it's the one special thing left, right? Like I don't care about an algorithm if it means that I can still write somebody that I admire and connect with them, uh, mm-hmm. in a way that like, I don't need their, their phone number to do that, mm-hmm. which is, which is remarkable. Yeah. Which is really cool. It's so, it is so It's how we ended up on this call, right? Like it's, yeah. it's those, it's those connections that, it, that create lasting value. But once that inquiry hits, I have now have an opportunity and I have a really short window of time to show these people that, the, the, uh, the vulnerability that it took them 
to just send that inquiry. Because if we, if we think about it from this perspective, in just writing a photographer and saying, I'm curious, often like it's the cringy question, right? Like, what do you charge? Mm-hmm. Right. Most of my clients now don't do that because as I said, they get caught in the wheel earlier. Like they already know that I'm going to be expensive or they already, but whatever, but say they do, they just drop in my inbox with a, Hey, what do you charge? We neglect to appreciate how vulnerable that question is, like how critical it is for us to humanize these people back and say, like, it takes a lot of guts to say, I like what you're doing and I don't know if I can afford it. Mm -hmm. And instead of like dehumanizing or like belittling that and saying like, Hey, if you have to ask, you don't want to know. It gives us an opportunity to, to write back and educate and say like, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many variables to the way that we charge. There's so many options here. There's so many ways that we can serve you. Even whether I, if I'm not your photographer, I'd love to connect you with somebody, a friend of mine that could be that photographer for you. So the starting point for me is just in a, in a video that comes back and it, it looks just like this one. I, I keep a camera set up on my desk um, with a memory card in it and, uh, and a mic. And I send every time we get an inquiry in, I send them back a video that's customized for them. That's mm. it's not highly clipped or edited or whatever. It does have, I've got a track built in Adobe Rush that's literally like has like a cool, like kind of a droning background music in case mm. I stutter or whatever. It's a little soft, but it's literally just as simple as me saying, like, hey, I see you guys. And I'm grateful. Like just the time that you already invested in me means a lot to me. Mm. And so I'm willing to go ahead and invest a little bit of time back into you. And they get that message via text message from me before they Mm. even get an email response. And the reason for that is because I write, I want to open that door with my clients to say like, Hey, this is my personal number. I would love to start building a personal relationship with you right off the bat, but I'm also going to email you back in case that's just like a more comfortable way for you to communicate. Mm -hmm. And then I build all kinds of the securities built in things like, you know, like important communication things, things like, Hey, I've got a lot going on right now. Um, There's a ton happening in my inbox, both in my text and in my email. So if you don't get back to me in the next like 24 to 48 hours, you like blessings. I hope that you guys have a beautiful wedding. You may need to fill out another inquiry form. I I, like, I have a hard time keeping up, you know? So, but get back to me in the next 24 hours. If you can, I'd love to set up a coffee date or a zoom call, hear more about you guys. Everything is about them. Like Mm. all the brand communication is about them. And there's no weird bait and switch then. It's not like a, you know, okay, now let's talk about me. It's, it's like a, you know, Hey, given the wedding that you're planning or the event that you guys are dreaming up and the vendor team that you have and, and the problems that need to be solved from a logistics perspective, you know, whether that's in Iceland or Italy, or whether it's down the street from me, um, I'm going to now build you a proposal for your wedding. And that proposal is going to have a couple of different package options built in, but it's custom, completely custom for you. And, uh, and then we go from there. But again, I, um, I always just sort of recommend to everybody that's a long winded way of saying you can't be valuable from like an individual perspective until you establish trust. And, Mm. um, often what ends up happening very often, what ends up happening for us is we end up signing with clients that did not intend on investing the kind of money that it is going to take to hire me but they feel as though they just found a wedding vendor that they didn't know existed, which is like a, like a personal liaison between their wedding planning process and who they are as an individual. And it's somebody that's willing to like handhold them through that whole process. 
I think that's such a beautiful way of like humanizing the process that is wedding photography, because I think we've we've made it to this point in the industry where I think it's almost gotten a little dehumanized. And I know that like I had moments like that and I work with people who have moments like that where, you know, you almost get offended that someone's like, how much is that? Or I don't know if I can afford that. But when you take a step back and you, you know, take ego out of it for a moment, it really is such a compliment that someone would even love your artistic vision enough to want you to capture one of the most important days of their life and to just like understand that sometimes money is unfortunately a big factor for them on if they get to have that or not but like what a compliment it is to even have them in your dms or in your inbox to potentially have you be a part of something so beautiful and just like taking the business out of it for a second to remember that these are just just human beings that are like looking to better one of the most like profound moments of their life well and i've said this a lot in trainings but you know, it's a, it's sort of a hard truth. I've, I see photographers sit back in their chairs when I say this, because they, it's uh it's sort of a, an intentional slap in the face. It's a, it's a perspective on ourselves that we don't often get, but the level of arrogance of being a wedding photographer, right. The, the audacity that we have to say that for some reason, the way that we see complete strangers lives is so unique and so special that they should have to pay us to shoot it for them. Like, that is a level of audacity that is, it's pretty bold. And, and then to go a step further and say, like, I want my entire life, my entire career to be spent doing that for people. Um, and I'm going to be one of the more expensive options in, like, in my country for that. It, it has to come. Like, there has to be a reciprocation there from a, from a humanity perspective to then sit back and say, you know, but... Like you're not paying me this much money because the albums that I sell, even though they're great, you're not paying me this much money because of my lighting concepts, even though it's unique, like you're paying me this much money because I have a long, long list of clients that I have learned from. Mm -hmm. And I've taken all of those human experiences and all of those moments of vulnerability and all of those moments of like intentional depth. And I'm going to pour those moments into your wedding. And I'm going to hope that your photos do an even more beautiful job of first person memories than I've ever done before. But you've got to pay me for that because if you won't, then somebody else will. Mm -hmm. And it, it creates true brand value. It creates like longevity. I think that's a really cool perspective to, to think of your past clients as someone who helped better your skills as well. Like that it was a collaboration where like, and I think that's also something that people need to keep in mind is that capturing a wedding day really is a collaboration. Like you're creating those images, yes, with your artistic vision, but it's based on someone's emotional experience and like thinking of it as a collaboration where past clients have also helped you in the same way that you've helped them. And like, what a beautiful and lucky thing that is that we get to do. Like, it's just phenomenal. I've taken a lot of time over the last few years to, um, to talk clients out of hiring second and third photographers. Mm. Uh, for that in exact reason. I, I spent years of my life and I, and I still have a fairly good sized staff. Like anybody that looks me up realizes like I, I run a whole, a whole team, right? Um, so I spent years realizing that like, I, I have a responsibility to those photographers and their families and their kids to try and like bring in as much money as I can for them. But what I realized throughout that was often what was happening was I was collaborating with those people. Like I was creative dreaming and doing unique things and trying new processes with those people. 
and that in of itself is a whole special experience, but I, I felt the need to include somebody in my creative process. But often what I was doing was actually cutting the client out and saying mm -hmm. like, no, you guys, you guys just go get married and I'll take the pictures of it. Um, and, and that's, that's okay. Actually, to be honest, like that's, that's a special perspective, but where I'm at my best. And I know it's where I'm at my best is when my clients feel ownership over, over the process as well. And they're, mm -hmm. they're willing to look at me and say like, you know, Hey, Oh my gosh. Like I, we're starting to feel it. Like we know what the good light feels like, or we know like when we're being uh, truly like intentional with our own posing and our own process, and we feel comfortable in our skin, uh, you know, then the photos just become a byproduct of that, that proximity. Mm. And, uh, anyway, so it, it doesn't take a ton, I guess, to, to say it short, it doesn't take a ton to, you know, surround yourself by creatives that are all on the same level. And then everybody put a 7,200 on and step back, you know, like 40 feet and, and take photos, but it takes a lot of vulnerability from an artist perspective to say like, Hey, I'm going to be completely alone here at an event where I don't know anybody. And I'm going to put a 16 millimeter lens on and see how close I can get to the action. Mm. Yeah. I think that's incredible. Um, what has been, as you've like done this journey for 15 years, right? You said, is that right? Close. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. We're close. I, <laughs> Somewhere I formally around there. incorporated in 2009. So what okay. is that? I don't know. 13, 13. The way know. I have no Yuck. idea what year it is at any I'm, certain point at this point. <laughs> well, there is all there ever has been in the wedding industry was before COVID and since. So yeah, literally, um, in this decade plus that you've had in the industry, what has been like your favorite thing that you've like learned about yourself and humanity through this journey? Man, I've learned that, um, I've learned that I'm a really sensitive person. Um, like as a human, but not that, that sensitivity is, uh, it's very unique, I think to, to a lot of men. Um, I don't show pain very well. Mm. And, and I mean that deliberately, a lot of people say I've got a high pain tolerance. That's a ridiculous statement. I feel it. I just don't show it. Mm. Um, I have a really hard time, uh, communicating emotions to people that know me really well. And the reason for that is I just, I'm very empathetic and I'm always kind of aware of the fact that like, once I admit perfect example, right? Like once I admit that I am hurt to my son, I'm now sharing in his reaction and I don't want mm. to worry him. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's not that I don't feel it. It's just that I'm capable of, you know, of like kind of stepping outside of that. But often I think what, what that does for, especially maybe this is like a gross generalization, but a lot of times for men is it makes us desensitized. Like it makes us where we stop feeling or we stop looking for reasons to feel things. And, uh, throughout the course of the last 10 years, what I've realized is I'm, I'm at my best, like I'm at my best for my wife, for my kids, you know, um, whether I'm on like a long run or I'm being a soccer coach or I'm a, uh, a wedding photographer or I'm on a plane next to a total stranger. And I just want to have my headphones in, but Karen won't let me like mute her out. I'm at my best when I'm just sensitive. And I'm just saying like, Hey, for whatever reason you need to talk. Uh, and I'm not going to ask you not to. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I've got a, a client this weekend, actually, a, a, an absolutely beautiful client, a wedding um, this weekend that 
the bride was or has been a filmmaker in like three different active warms war zones. Um, oh, wow. and like Syria and Ethiopia. And, um, she just has this incredible perspective on, on like women's life in Afghanistan and spending time drinking coffee in Turkey and, um, you know, like try doing documentary work in the Galapagos. And I sat with her last week. She made me coffee last week. Um, I sat with her and she said the statement that it, cha- it genuinely changed my life. she said, everybody wants to be interesting, but mm. nobody takes time to be interested. And I don't know, maybe that's sort of my role for my clients and my friends and my life right now is just to say, you know, we've got some really cool things going on. Like I'm, I'm taking on this industry at a fever pitch right now. And I'm hanging out with the biggest names and the coolest brands and doing all of this stuff. But like, man, I don't feel like any of it's about me. I just feel like mm-hmm. I'm interested in the right people that are right, doing the right things. And I just, I get a front row seat to it all, which yeah. is really special. I think that's like a beautiful perspective. Um, in any capacity. Yeah. Like personally with our friends and family and in business is to just be interested. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is, I'm like so excited to listen back on this. This has been so helpful and like filled with so much, so many words of wisdom. So thank you so much for coming on. I would love to hear what you're like excited for next. Like what's coming up for you? What's, what are we excited about? Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, no, thank you. First and genuinely, like I, I love, you can tell from this, I love like marathon podcast recordings. I really do. I love when it's like, Hey, let's sit for three hours and make this a stretch. Just literally because people, man, the people that but people won't listen, but the people that do like you end up changing them. And mm-hmm. it's so cool. Uh, so anybody that's stuck around this far and listen to me like blab, thank you so much. Um, and don't listen to my podcast cause they're all long-winded. Uh, so yeah, I, Um, what's coming up next. Okay. So, um, we started this, this company, uh, at the beginning of 2021, it actually, we didn't start it. We started it in like 2017, but we kind of took it public in 2021 Mm. called the photographic collective. And, uh, and it was just an answer to the call that I felt like was really missing in our industry. Um, everybody's offering business coaching right now. Mm. Everybody's offering mentoring. Everybody's charging a lot for this. Some people are doing it really well. Mm -hmm. Um, like I have, I have a good friend of mine, like Ben Hartley, right. The abundance program and, and, uh, he's remarkable and his training works. Some people are not doing it well and they're, they're mass marketing it. And it's, uh, it's very scammy. Um, I'm not going to say their names. Um, yeah, we'll leave that. We'll leave that one out. <laughs> yeah. But you fill in the blank. You know who I'm talking about now. Yeah. I, I, anyway, I, I, some, but some people are, it's very manipulative. Hmm. And so what I realized was, was just this sentence, this single sentence kept coming back to me. We are better, like as an industry, as a race, as a like species, we are better when we find community with people that don't look or sound or feel or experience the things that we do, but still love the same things that we do. Mm-hmm. Like we get better. And so we just created this community. Um, that's now called Photoco, but it's, it's this sort of thriving rad little community of people that are on like five continents now. And they're just, they're just pouring into each other. There's it's free to join. There's no monetization. It allows me to do workshops and stuff like that through there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, what's next is me finding Amazing. a way to make Photoco grow, uh, with cool partnerships. We just released a, uh, a, the first ever collaboration with Holdfast Gear. We just released our own cool. custom strap with them. Oh, really amazing. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's um, so cool. 
and um, and just special things happening, you know, new new partnerships and things going on with with our brands, and and then of course a long lineup. I mean, 2023 is almost booked now uh, in my calendar, so I I now get to sit back and breathe some life into these. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's so exciting. Well, that's a great segue into, can you tell everyone, obviously we'll link you in the show notes, but can you tell everyone where to find you on the online, online world? Yeah. Um, sure. I, man, it's been like five years where everybody just says Instagram, right? Like at miles Boyer on Insta go there, but it's sort of like a dying, sad thing. Um, She's leaving us. I think Instagram, I think she's starting to go, you know, what's awesome. Can we just say this? I think more people, more creatives need to like not operate from this like fear perspective on this. You know how amazing, like how genuinely amazing a short period of time would be for our industry without that like commoditization, like that, that moment where it's like mm-hmm. everything that you post isn't yours and it doesn't matter. And it's subject to somebody else telling you whether it's good. It'd be yeah. so good for us. And not having to be content creators anymore. All of mm-hmm. us, I think yeah. I literally was just, I think I put out like a newsletter or a tweet or something that was like, yeah, when social media goes away, because it, it might, or at least some of these platforms will like, mm-hmm. can your business stand on its own, even just from word of mouth? Like, are you giving your clients a good enough experience that your business would still stay afloat if you weren't constantly producing content to put down their throats. Like when, you know, the funny thing is most people are going to answer that with the word no, but then instead of investing time into it, they're going to go back and start working on their next reel. Yeah. It's, it's an addiction. It's like Mm -hmm. a, it's a genuine addiction and it's an addiction, not based on the social media platforms. Like that's the lie. Mm -hmm. The lie is that you're addicted to your phone. You're not addicted to your phone. You're addicted to other people's opinions. Mm. And, And you're trying, you're trying to get other people to approve of work that they have nothing invested in. So just invest in your clients. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, that's, uh, at miles or Blair though, on, on Instagram. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that being said, there. uh, if you're in that dying said, no, anyway, um, that's, that's the place, but, um, honestly, either photographic dash collective.com or miles is like, that's my home. Like that's my living room mm. that you guys are invited into. And, uh, and it's the place where you can connect with me personally and you can find a way to like, let's set up a zoom call. I don't care who you are. Like, let's set up a call and, and, uh, and give me an opportunity to learn from, from you and, Mm. um, and, and like, you know, like understand your story. And Eden, that's like, I'm so honored. I'm so flattered that like first conversation is this, like first time we've ever met each other, but like, I want to do wine with you. Like, I want to sit and say like, okay, let's, let's find out ways that like people that we know and mutual friendships Mm. and let's lessons that we've learned in different ways, but the same things. And anyway, yes, so. please. Oh my gosh. Next time you're in New, New York city, please let me know. And we'll have I'll to be there in it. three weeks. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Please hey, speaking of, you should check out though. Uh, this is a sidebar, but I'm going to plug yes. it because, because I'm an ex photographer. Uh, Fuji Kina is September 10th in the city. Oh, and if you okay. don't know what that is, you should check it out. It's going to be super rad. I'm not actually going to, I will be there that weekend, but I'll be mm. there shooting a wedding and, and for some other meetings. But, um, so I won't be involved sadly this year, but you should look it up. Cause it's really, okay. weird. I don't care what brand. And here's the funny thing is Fujifilm doesn't care what brands you shoot either. Like mm. they genuinely don't, they're just lovers of photography. So roll in and hang out. That's super cool. Yes. I'm going to have to look that up. Thank you. Yeah. Um, also I almost forgot we end every interview by asking one question of every guest. And it's my favorite question to ask people. Um, but what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Like what first comes to mind? Mm. It's a broad one. I could go, I could get a hundred, a thousand different directions here, but I think I'd be remiss to not just say the simple one. 
which is something my wife has said to me for a decade, every time something is not going my way, it's not your wedding. I mean, I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times she has looked at me when I've, I've called and I've been stressed or we're behind schedule, or there's like a gaudy pink limo that just rolled Mm -hmm. up or, you know, something, the dress is hideous. The guy's haircut looks bad. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like name it. Right. And there's that it's, it's not your wedding. And I think that advice permeates so deep into who we are as individuals. When we realize that we're being commissioned to do something for someone else. So do it. I love that. That's, I love that. That's incredible. Well, Miles, thank you so much for coming on. This was so beautiful and impactful. And yes, seriously, please let me know when you're here in a couple of weeks, I would love to grab a drink, grab food or something. Yeah. It was so lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on. 